Well, they were finishing up their cathedral at Eagle River, Alaska, and had plans to go into that new cathedral on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so Father Harold had asked me to come up and help them get ready to go into that cathedral on the Sunday after Thanksgiving with the full text of the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. And I remember when we sat down to start working on it shortly after I had arrived, he looked at me and he says, Now, Deacon John, I want you to promise me something here. I want you to promise me that this is it. We're not going to be changing anymore. You're coming up here like Moses with the Ten Commandments. And I just want to know if we're going to have any more commandments. Or if this is it. Is this it? I said, this is it. <laughs> and we're still doing it. <coughs> we're still doing it. We're going to do it until we die. And then our kids, will, grandkids will be doing it. <coughs> and I wouldn't rather do anything else. Many uh, speak of, of the three great condescensions of the Lord Jesus Christ. His, his condescension uh, in His nativity from the Virgin Mary emptied Himself, taking on the form of a man, yet fully God on the throne with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And in that first great condescension, the angels make the announcement. And then in the second great condescension, His baptism. And in the third great condescension, His descension into hell and His resurrection from the dead. The angel came and ministered to Him as He was about to go to His crucifixion. And the angels announced again when He rose from the dead, that, uh, that He was risen. And so we come back and uh, St. Nicholas says, well, what about the angels at the baptism? Where's the angel? I don't see any angels at the baptism. Oh, wait, there is an angel at the baptism. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. One angel appeared, not a bodiless angel, but a man by the name of John, son of Zacharias the high priest and his wife Elizabeth, he was not an angel as were other angels, but he was called an angel by the prophet. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And that word messenger, angelos, the angel. And then he goes on to give something very instructive and inspiring, I think. And I'd like to read this to you because it's hard to, to just recount it. It is with this prophecy that the holy evangelist Mark begins his gospel. And this is a lovely mystery that each of the evangelists makes use of a particular beginning. All four of 
evangelists start in a different spot. The evangelist John begins from eternity. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So from eternity, St. John begins his gospel. Matthew begins from Abraham, you know, the genealogy. So in a sense, begins with the ancestry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke, with the Savior's birth on earth, came about in the days of Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. And he, he, he starts with the, the uh, birth of the Son in the world. And St. Mark starts right with the baptism of the Lord. Behold, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way. This is how St. Mark opens up. Why do not all the evangelists begin in the same way, he asks. Tell me then, where is this one beginning of Jesus Christ? It's difficult to trace a lifeless thing back to its beginning. How much more difficult with a living man? Not to speak to the giver of life, but from whom all life has its beginning. In reality, the evangelists show us, and each one of us, that there are four beginnings, apprehensible either to our mind or our perception. One is our beginning in God. So he's not just starting, the four evangelists are not just speaking of Christ. And, and starting in four different places, but they are teaching us in a hidden mystery four beginnings in our life. One is our beginning in God. Do you believe that you were created by God? The next, in our ancestors, I'm from my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, and this is who I am. The third in our parents. And the fourth, at the time when we begin to show our greatest activity in this world. But Christ has a fifth beginning, St. Nikolai says, in relationship with each of one of us. And that is to say, the beginning of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His gospel for us is when He comes to life in our hearts and in our minds as our only Savior. And when Jesus stops being within us just as an unlit, oil-filled, golden lamp and being lit becomes begins to warm and lighten our whole being. And when He begins to be our daily bread, without which we cannot pass a single day, and when He becomes of greater worth than the whole universe, then all good things, and our relatives, our friends, dearer than earthly life itself, that is for us the true beginning of Jesus Christ, and only then will we be able to understand the other four beginnings mentioned with the four 
evangelists. We have um, opportunity today <coughs> to consider the beginning of our Christian life in holy baptism. <coughs> and to consider our union with the Lord Jesus Christ and the beginning of our new life in Him through holy baptism. Christ went down into the water not to cleanse Himself, but to symbolically drown the old man. You ever think, why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't need to get His sins forgiven. Christ didn't get something from baptism. He put something into baptism for us. By his submission, he symbolically reenacted the flood that drowned the world in Noah's time. Also the drowning of Pharaoh and the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And in the flood that covered the whole world, sinful humanity was drowned. And Christ took the sins of men on himself and voluntarily accepted drowning in the place of sinful humanity. He voluntarily took on himself the fate of the drowned Pharaoh, the enemy of the living God. He allowed the water to engulf his body. He allowed the water to flow over him for a moment. And then he stood up and came out of the water. And by this he repeated the terrible lesson that God had given to men by drowning sinners in the time of Noah and at the time of Pharaoh and the Red Sea. And by this he visibly but silently said that which he later said in words to the holy Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We come today to remember the baptism of our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father Alexander Smemon once said that the power of liturgy is in its ability to transform remembrance into reality. So we are not here simply to remember this past event in the Lord's life. But to enter in to our baptism into Christ today. In the eternal today. In the eternal reality. And to renew that baptism in us. To feel that water coming over us. And to rise up new again, to live the Christian life. Do you feel broken? you feel like you need to be fixed? I do, all the time. All the time. You know, when I don't feel that way, somebody tells me I'm broken. <laughs> one, of the, one of the pre feast hymns of the past couple of days is Christ came to restore the broken creation. Christ picks up 
the broken Adam, and he takes him down in the water, cleans him, forgives him, heals him, restores him, and raises him up. I'm Adam. Aren't you? So let's enter into the remainder of this service with earnest, believing that we will receive power from on high to live the Christian life in a broken and a fallen world. Him be glory now and ever. Amen.